I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. How to taper without losing your mind. A lot of people love the training that goes into these fall races, but not a lot of people love the tapering aspect. The taper can be a challenging time for athletes, and we want to give you the basics of how you may be feeling, how to taper, and why we do it. So we're just going to go over some basics of what it's going to look like over the next three to four weeks as you begin your tapering process, and then maybe some of the feelings that you'll be feeling during these weeks. Um, The way that we'll outline it is we'll just kind of go over... Um, three weeks out, two weeks out, one week out, and then the week of your race and what you would want to be doing during those weeks. And then also how you may be feeling during those weeks. Um, Some of the things that you just want to know right off the bat, we kind of have like five main tips for everyone during the taper is that number one, you want to follow your plan. Number two, you want to tune in to whatever race pace is going to be. So if you're someone who has been training all summer, You've probably been doing like a lot of threshold workouts, maybe some interval workouts, and maybe you've also done some marathon pace work. But if you are getting ready for that marathon, we're going to want to be doing some marathon pace work during this taper. And that's going to be useful to help your body be able to dial in to race pace. So you're not really going to be gaining a lot of fitness with this. It's just more of the fact that we really want our body to be able to be in tune with what marathon pace feels like. And it can also give you an idea of maybe where that fine tuning is at for your fitness level. Let's say you're stuck between two goals, like a 410 and a 405. This could maybe help you determine what exactly that marathon pace is kind of feeling like and what feels natural, especially during this taper time, because your legs are going to get a little bit fresher. You'll just kind of see where the paces fall because you might be in between two pace ranges and this can really help you dial in. Jason, do you have any tips when it comes to incorporating some sort of marathon pace work during the taper? Yeah, I think, you know, this is a good time to really practice your marathon pace and really make it feel as effortless as possible. So we don't need to run much faster um, than that during those last couple of weeks. So it's a great time to just visualize how you want to feel late in the race. And so, um, you know, looking at a schedule, if you have like a four mile steady state run, that shouldn't be too taxing at this point. And so, you know, the goal is really to allow your muscles a chance to sort of recover from all of the hard, um, you know, weeks that you were doing heavier mileage. And so, Um, it's just a good time to sort of work out the kinks, spend a little bit more time focusing on the little things that you might've been neglecting during peak training. And I know for me, I was always one that looked forward to the taper just because I like 
the extra time that I had on my hands, right? So I didn't feel like I was losing fitness during that time. I just really loved the idea of rest. And so I was ready to roll on race day. But this is something I know a lot of athletes might struggle with. And it can take a few uh, training cycles to get used to. Yeah, I think that people who really struggle with um, the taper are maybe people who really thrive on routine or maybe they're dealing with some doubts about their training. I know when I used to fall in that camp of having some doubts about my training, I would end up, um, like how you specifically said, don't go faster than marathon pace. I would do some workouts during the taper, which you're not supposed to do. I would see, okay, you're supposed to do some miles at marathon pace. And I would pretty much go like threshold effort um so there are some ways that i think people are tempted during this taper time to test their fitness or to kind of get carried away because your legs are going to start feeling a lot better at some point during this taper um and you also might get the reverse effect you might actually have some weeks or days in there where you're not feeling 100 percent, and so you start to have some doubts and you go out there and hammer a workout um just to try to you know get a confidence boost or whatever it may be but it's really important to remember that we really want to follow our training plan and it's especially critical during these final two to three weeks um, because you can do some damage and I've actually seen some people um, leave a leave their race in a workout. So maybe they have a 20 miler or 16 miler um, two to three weeks out from their goal marathon and you know maybe there's some marathon pace work and maybe you know the athlete just gets a little carried away maybe they do the warm-up at marathon mm-hmm. pace and then maybe they just um, go to town and kind of hammer through whatever those marathon pace miles and then at the end of the day it's like yeah that's a great confidence booster but you just ended up kind of racing um, your 16 or 20 mile long run and then when you have to go and try to repeat that in two to three weeks it's gonna be really difficult because you're not going to have enough time to recover from that sort of effort. And then just mentally, it's like you already kind of went to that place in training. So we want to make sure that we're really holding back um, during these last couple of weeks um, because you really would rather be going into the marathon a little bit too fresh than Mm -hmm. um, burnt out, overtrained. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I was guilty that the first year I signed up to do a marathon, Um, I ended up doing a 20 mile long run three weeks before and there was a local race that put one on. So I decided to do it and ended up running a little too hard. And about six days later, I I, uh, had a strain in my calf just because I think I ran the 20 miles far too fast. Um, You know, had I saved that effort for the race, I was confident that I was where I wanted to be fitness wise. I think I would have been able to actually race, Um, but I had to miss the race because I had to take care of an injury. And so it's definitely wise to kind of like you said, come in slightly under train or, or slightly um, feeling more fresh than maybe you want to. Um, I think it's especially if you're like an injury prone runner like myself, or if it's one of your first few marathons where you're not quite used to doing this. Um, I definitely think you want to err on the side of caution. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be doing any sort of um, 20 mile or marathon pace or anything. I mean, that is a huge stress on the body. And I've definitely made that mistake before where I'm like, Oh, this feels super effortless or like, I'm feeling really good. I'm having a great run. And then next thing you know, you're doing like a marathon pace effort over longer than you anticipated. Or, you know, if you're not working with a coach, it can be really easy to kind of get caught up in the, Oh, like I'm feeling really good. Like this will be a good fitness test, but it's like, you really want to stick to whatever is on your plan. Cause it's written that way for a reason. We want to stick to like what we initially set out to do. Um, so a lot of people kind of know, okay, I shouldn't be running 
14, 16 miles at marathon pace, um, especially if they're like listening to this podcast. And then, you know, sometimes you just get really caught up in it because if you're two weeks out, maybe you already had that first week of taper, you're feeling good, maybe the temperatures are really good. Um, it's really easy to get carried away. And I like how you shared that you signed up for that 20 mile race, quote unquote race that you said Mm -hmm. you did at marathon pace. Um, and then the irony is that you couldn't even do the marathon. And I've honestly seen this play out time and time again. Um, so of course I've also seen the other scenario where someone does it at marathon pace and then they go and they do their marathon and they run okay. It doesn't always end up where, Oh, you can't even get to the start line. But what we want to see is people really be able to run to their potential on race day because you've put in so much training up into this point. And so it's just so worth it to kind of hold back these last couple of weeks so you can really get that extra edge on race day as opposed to having some super killer confidence boosting workout that actually sets you back. Yeah, I've had a lot more success when I've taken my extremely long runs easy and then I sort of do my medium long runs with some of that quality pace work. And that seems to help me recover faster from those long efforts, especially as you get into your um, you know, your longest run of the train cycle, which is usually three to four weeks out. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just, this, this to me is something that I think, um, the more experience you become as a marathoner, you start to know, like maybe what worked for you in a previous train cycle, or, um, uh, maybe you did a little too much or not quite enough. And so then you can kind of make those changes, um, going forward. Yeah. And a really good discussion here is what is marathon pace? So a lot of people, they go to the VDOT calculator. That's what we always recommend. You can Google search VDOT Jack Daniels calculator. It's going to pop up. And what you want to do there is plug in, you know, recent race result, probably your best one of this year. Um, like 5k, 10k, one mile, whatever. Um, see what it spits out for like what you could do in the marathon. So that's the marathon pace that we're talking about when we're referencing that in the podcast. So we don't really want to be going out and doing probably, I mean, even if you're an advanced athlete, you're probably not going to be doing, well, not, I mean, yeah, advanced, but not elite. You're probably not going to be doing more than like eight to 10 miles at marathon pace within a given marathon pace workout. And even that is like a ton of marathon pace miles. Um, so the idea there is that you're actually running at that, what you could potentially run at the marathon. If you are someone who maybe is new to the marathon or you've had bad marathon experiences before, or you just kind of want to go out there and run it at like a moderate effort, you're not really looking to race a marathon. Uh, we, your marathon pace that you have in your mind when you go to run your marathon, um, in this fall, it could be significantly slower than what this VDOT calculator is spitting out for you. So the VDOT calculator is gonna give you a really aggressive marathon pace. And when we are using the term marathon pace in this podcast or anytime in our posts on social media, we're talking about that VDOT marathon pace. So let's say you're someone who you do the VDOT calculator, it tells you you can run about eight minute pace for a marathon and you're like, whoa, 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 I don't think so. I've never done a marathon or I have done one and I'm nowhere near that. I think I'm gonna try to run this marathon at more like an 840 pace. Um, so what when you do some of your long runs, you might come closer to that 840 pace, if that makes sense. Because if your marathon pace, according to VDOT, is eight minutes, your easy pace range is probably like nine to 10, Mm -hmm. you know, nine to 10. 
So if you're doing a long run and maybe you have some fast finish miles in there, maybe you do most of it at like 915 pace and then you do some pace work that's close to that eight minute pace range, you might get to like an 840 average. Right. But that's not your VDOT marathon pace. That's kind of like what you're hoping to run for the gold marathon. So I know that's a little mm-hmm. bit confusing of a topic, but something definitely to address. Yeah, good point there. And especially, let's say you are trying to run that 840 pace for your marathon. When you start talking about your, your pacing plan, you know, chances are that's going to start much slower than that. And then, then you'll work down to that pace. So the majority of the race will hopefully be spent running that 840. And then hopefully when you get into like that mile 16 to 20 range, you're, you're dipping below that. So you can kind of make up some of that time for starting slower. But um, I definitely think, um, yeah, if you're a new marathoner or it's mm-hmm. one of your first couple marathons, there's nothing wrong with starting slower and trying to run, um, you know, a negative split race. I know a lot of times more advanced runners, they might try to run maybe like a, you know, even split race. And this will all be very course dependent too, right? So if your course has a lot of hills in the second half, then, you know, you might be looking to run more of a positive split or whatever. And so I think it's really specific to each, each athlete um, where you're at in your journey and, and the course you're running on. Right, definitely. So it's good to like know where your paces are according to VDOT, Jack Daniels. But again, if you look at that marathon pace that it spits out for you and you're like, what? I'm not running that. I know even just my mom, I've been coaching her for like a decade and she'll always go in there and I'll be like, see, it says you can run about this or marathon. And she looks at me like, there's no way I'm going to run marathon at that pace just because she doesn't want to to go out and kind of exude that kind of effort over 26.2 to her it's like more of just enjoying it kind of enjoying those long runs over the summer so everyone has different um, aggressiveness that they want to go after on race day and some people it's like they don't they don't want to go after it like that like they don't want to really put it on the line ride that red line they'd rather just kind of enjoy being out there and still give like a moderate effort and so they might end up doing their marathon pace at what they would also consider you know like their easy easy pace and that that excites them so definitely in that case then some of your long runs might be the same as what you end up running for your marathon but again everyone's different um just depends on your goals so then when we're talking about the taper before we dive into like three weeks out from your race, what you should be doing. Another thing that is to be expected is that you're probably gonna have some period during this taper. Um, We'll talk about maybe what week it usually happens, but you definitely are gonna have times where you feel pretty crummy, um, just fatigue, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but the number one is that your body starts to go into this repair mode. So right away it maybe won't register, oh, I'm running less. But over time, eventually your body is going to kind of realize like, hey, I'm not doing as much work as I was doing. And in that time, it's going to be like, oh, finally, we can like repair and go into this deeper repair mode than what it was able to do during the training cycle. So you might feel like your legs are kind of heavy. You might feel like you're a little bit more tired than usual. And sometimes people start to panic because they think, oh, I'm tapering, I should be feeling really good. But the idea is that you don't really want to feel quote unquote, quote, really good until that week of the race or like five days out from the race. Because if you felt really good two and a half, two weeks out from your race, even 10 days out, that's almost like you maybe didn't do the taper 
exactly perfect because there is going to be a period where there is some of that like fatigue kind of hanging around and your body is in that repair mode. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be different for everyone, you know, maybe coming off that 20 miler, it could hit people right away. Mm -hmm. Those next few days, it might be the week after that. Mm -hmm. I think it really depends on your experience with doing those long runs and and then too, like, what are you doing in the days immediately after? Are you taking rest days or are you running, um, you know, three miles, four miles? And what does that compare to what you were normally doing too after long runs? And so, um, but I I definitely think it is normal to feel, go, you know, go through this period where you sort of feel like lethargic or maybe you're starving more than usual, Mm. you're super hungry or, um, I think, for me, uh, as far as like getting ready to get the runs in, uh, to get out the door sometimes is a, is a struggle. And so I'll make sure I do like a better job warming up. Cause I feel like if I can get my blood flowing, circulating better, then the run is going to feel a bit better. So that's a tip you could try. Um, if you've noticed that, you know, it's just really hard to, to get, get things going, just spend some time doing some dynamic drills and some mobility work before you head out. Definitely. So you're also going to want to focus on nutrition. So that's huge. Like if you feel like you're really hungry, chances are it's your body's in that repair mode. It's going to need some more fuel to kind of move things along. So if you feel more hungry, I definitely would eat more. Focus on the carbo loading when you're, uh, was it like three days out from the marathon? But even before then, you, you still want to make sure you're kind of properly fueling, getting adequate nutrition, and you're able to really spend more time focusing maybe on those other things you mentioned earlier that maybe you were neglecting during your training. Um, this is a good time to start thinking about what are you going to wear for race day? What uh, should you pack if you're going to be traveling? What your travel plans will look like? Um, so there's a lot of things that you can do to channel your energy during those times. But really, as you'll see when we go down each week by week, you're still running quite a bit during the taper. It's not like you have a ton of free time. Um, and it does reduce kind of over time. And so you might not even really notice that there's a lot of, of extra time because there really isn't. You're still running quite a bit. So when you're 28 to 21 days out till the race, you're typically going to be running your longest long run, and you're going to also be running your highest mileage week, most likely. Um, It really depends from athlete to athlete, but that's really like the traditional marathon training plan. When you're three weeks out from your race, you do that longest long run, you have your highest mileage week, and then the plan is... The next week, we are going to start the taper. Now, in cases where we might start the taper earlier than that, um, maybe you did a half marathon race when you were four weeks out, five weeks out. Maybe you've just been feeling a little burnt out. Um, I once had an athlete that got lost on a long run, ended up going much further than she was supposed to, um, and had to kind of like run walk back to her house she ended up going i think 25 miles and that was five weeks out from the race so we kind of started the a taper like a modified taper there and that's why working with a coach can be really helpful because each scenario is a little bit different i know in some cases people like go out of town that third week out so it's like oh how do i change everything and so working with a coach can really help in those cases Um, but the traditional taper is when you're three weeks out, longest long run. Then the fun begins. So when you're 20 to 14 days out, you are going to start to decrease that mileage and you're going to decrease it that first week by about 25%. Um, so, you know, hundred miles a week, which no one's running. So 50 (laughs) miles a week, 
you're going to reduce it by at least, you know, 10 miles. We don't want to reduce it too drastically. So you don't want to go from like 50 miles a week to 30 that first week. You just want to do it gradually. So if you're running 50 for that peak week, maybe you're coming down to 40 or like 38, somewhere in that vicinity. Then when we're talking about that long run as well, let's say you hit a 20 miler, we're going to be reducing that by at least 25% as well. So we're going to reduce that down to like 16, maybe 15 miles if you did a 20 miler, reducing by at least 25%. Um, and that right there, if you're just dropping five miles off your long run mm -hmm. and you're supposed to drop 12 miles total in the week or maybe 10, that really is only one to two miles off of all of your other runs. So let's say your standard run is seven or eight miles. Well, maybe it's six or seven now, or like five to seven and a half. Um, so it's really not too terribly drastic, but you just wanna do it kind of consistently throughout the week, spread it across, jump in from like 50 to 38. Again, it's 25%, nothing too drastic, but also you're gonna be keeping in your workouts. You still wanna be doing, so if you're doing 80% of your mileage at that easy pace, you wanna continue doing the workouts you were doing before. So if you were doing 20% of your mileage as workouts, you wanna keep doing that. If you weren't doing any workouts for some reason, maybe we'll continue mm -hmm. doing that. We don't really wanna introduce anything new during this taper. So let's say you were doing one workout per week, we wanna keep it at one workout per week. We're not gonna add any workouts and we're also not gonna like take out workouts unless you're having something flare up. So the intensity is still pretty important at this point. When you reach the end of the week and you're doing that maybe 15 to 16 miler, if you ran 20 the week before, you are going to really be hitting this point where the hay is in the barn, they say. So two weeks out from your race, you do not lose or gain any fitness. And I even had your friend who's like a, two, what is he, Matt Bullmeister, like 220 yeah. something marathoner. Yep. He said to me, you could literally do nothing from now to the marathon and it would make no difference. And so Obviously, I think there's other factors that go into things besides just the physiology of like the aerobic system. Um, the routine is important, bodily functions that rely on all of these things. Um, but I think the sentiment of don't blow it by doing something um, in those last two weeks. So then when we move to that 20 to 14 days, until the race. You just did like maybe a 15, 16 miler and you're moving into the next week. We're gonna be reducing that mileage again by the same 20 to 25%. So let's say that you were at 38 miles the previous week. We're going to reduce again about nine miles. So this week is pretty low. You're gonna be at like 28. So if you peaked at 50, you could be down to about 28 miles this this week. And where a lot of that is gonna be coming from is that weekly long run. So by the time we hit the weekend of this event, mm -hmm. or this week, you are one week out from the race. So we are not gonna wanna go over 90 minutes. And if we do, maybe just like a smidge over. 
So whatever comes first, you know, 10 miles, 90 minutes, some people will say do 12 miles. I like to just cap it at 90 minutes. So maybe you're only going, you know, eight to 10 miles, just depending on the athlete. And then the rest of the weekly mileage, again, you're probably gonna be reducing by about two miles. Um, maybe you throw in an extra rest day, however you need to get there. But we really wanna reduce by 20 to 25% again this week. I find that this is the week where people sometimes will start to feel a little bit better and it's a little bit tempting if you have a workout on the schedule to not go go crazy. So we really wanna continue holding back a lot this week. Mm -hmm. Another sentiment that's really important that I wanna share with you guys is keeping your easy runs easy. Your easy pace during the taper should be exactly the same as what it was during training. Oftentimes I'll get emails from people about two weeks out from the race and saying like, can I go faster on my easy days? I just feel so good. And that's definitely not what we wanna be doing. We wanna keep training like we've been training. We don't wanna do anything new. There's a reason why you're feeling good. It's so that we can utilize it on race day. Um, do you have anything to add that second week, Jason? Or one week out from the race pretty much um, now? No, I think, I mean, you, you uh painted a pretty good picture and really the goal after the taper begins is is just to reduce the or minimize your accumulated fatigue over the course of the training so you're not going to be looking to gain any fitness at, at that time um so a lot of the work that you're putting in is mainly just to kind of get your mind right you know and and sort of get that confidence get that visualization and so um kind of keeping your body in the routine i like how you talked about that because i think that's really important for runners um but yeah that last week it's really just time to chill and kind of uh, try to, I think, take your mind off off of the race so that you don't get inside your own head. I know a lot of times we hyper-focus on, like, what's the weather going to be like and all these, like, minor details. And really it's like, um, <clears throat> you know, we just we just want to kind of go through the motion, have a plan, but not, not obsess about it. And so have everything well planned out in terms of, like, your travel and all that and then just kind of trust that everything's ready to go. And in that last week, try to focus on some external hobbies or getting more sleep and all of that. Yes, during that last week, it can be especially hard because really running is at a minimum and you might even have an additional rest day that you didn't have. Um, you can start to feel a little weird because you're not running as much. Maybe the legs feel a little heavy. Um, but again, it's all about trusting that training. If you're ever having doubts instead of pushing it on any sort of run, I would go back and like review all of your training and look at all of the workouts that you hit and kind of build confidence from there because the hay is in the barn and so there's really nothing that you can do that's going to mm -hmm. help you at all on race day by running faster. But there's definitely ways that you can damage or ruin um, your race potentially. So we really want to be cognizant of that and just making sure that we're doing no harm really during this time. So do a lot less than you think you should. You know, we really just want to keep it super easy. Keep those easy runs very slow in relationship to your other paces. <laughs> And then we're going to want to start that carbo loading process about three days out from your race and just continue that on two days out, one day out. 
Um, and what you really want to aim for during that carbo loading process is about 90% of your calories coming from carbohydrates, which is a pretty insane amount if you ever have attempted to do this. Um, some of my favorite ways to get a lot of carbs in is fruit, dried fruit, pretzels, just all of the standard carbs that you would typically do, putting honey on things, oatmeal, it's pretty much everything that you're putting in your body um, on those two to three days out is just like pretty much only a carb at that point. Um, and that really does help with replenishing those glycogen storages. And so glycogen is pretty much utilized during these endurance events, um, especially when you're going over 90 minutes. And so we really want to do every little thing that we can to be ready on race day and have our best performance. So if you're someone who's really focused on like a performance goal, um, carbo loading is gonna be the best way. Studies show, the science backs it up to get to that end goal. So fueling does become a very important factor in endurance aerobic sports over 90 minutes in duration. So you're gonna wanna carbo load. We have a registered dietitian on staff who definitely can help because I know there can be some confusion or it's just nice to have a professional in your corner for times like this because not only is the carbo loading portion important, it's also important to have like that race day fueling plan that we've talked a lot about and just making sure you're getting enough carbs because it really is crazy like how many carbs you need to eat to really fulfill that 90% that our dietitian always talks about. Yeah, for sure. I love I love having an excuse to eat extra carbs, but um, you know, just in summary, you know, the, the taper is just something that you want to learn to just trust because, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of research done with, with runners and it definitely shows that, um, our levels of, uh, glycogen and enzymes, hormones, all of the, all of these that get depleted through heavy um, weeks of training, they sort of return to optimal ranges during the taper. And so you want to go into the race feeling, um, feeling fit and feeling as, as best as you felt in weeks, really, that's the goal. And so, um, you know, definitely don't take it lightly. And um, the other thing that can kind of help you not lose your mind during the taper is, and not just hyper-focus on the race so much is sort of have a plan for what are you going to do after the race. Start looking ahead, right? Because you know there's going to be more races on the calendar. And so no matter the outcome of the race, um, there's going to be other things to f focus on. Maybe you're going to take some time off from running. Maybe you're going to focus on strength. Maybe you're going to um, recover, then focus on speed or try to continue building your mileage for an ultra. Whatever that is, just look past it so that it doesn't seem like um, this is just like the very end of some important thing you've been training for because it's just sort of like a checkpoint and then you'll be on to the next thing. So, yeah, definitely. I think during the taper, a lot of people will tend to hyper focus and that's fine for some people, but if you're someone who's like struggling with performance anxiety or just, you just don't really feel comfortable with having all that, like, you know, nervous energy and you want to get away from that sometimes it's just rechanneling into thinking beyond this race so maybe plan for like 2023 like what are your goals what are things that you enjoy doing um i like to focus on that because i personally don't i don't know racing is just it's one of those things where the results like no matter what you run even if even if i run like 
the time that I was hoping to run, I still almost immediately my brain will just go to like, okay, like what's next? And so I find that it's almost like this hamster wheel of like, even if you hit your time goal, you're always going to want to better it. And so sometimes it's just taming that voice of like, okay, you don't like time doesn't really matter. You're not doing it just for that reason. Like there's so many other benefits that are involved with why you run. And so trying to think of those things. And sometimes when I do that, I will think, oh, like my next training cycle, what is it going to look like? Because I'm someone who just really enjoys the training aspect of it. And I think there are people like that out there who really enjoy the training aspect more maybe than the race. Um, And so for those cases, thinking ahead to maybe what your training is going to look like in the next couple of months or kind of framing up fun things like that so that you can continue to realize like you're going to get back into training and you'll get back into your fun routine and you're just going to continue to get faster and no one race is going to be like a defining Mm -hmm. um, thing for you because there's no like one race for the end of your career right. like you can keep going there's always going to be more races and i know it's kind of funny saying because like in 2020 like every race was canceled but again they did come back eventually and now it's like everyone's kind of done a race and mm-hmm. we're back back into it so even if you know the race doesn't go according to plan i think it's important to go into each race with the mindset of hey i did everything i could i trusted the training i'm proud of all of the training that i put in i'm proud of everything I did and also being at the start line and knowing that you literally did everything that you could and you just 100% invested and trusted in your training can really help because it's like there's only so much you can do in terms of uncontrollables on race day that Mm -hmm. if you know that you did everything within your control there's nothing more that you can ask of yourself and you should just be really proud of everything that you've done up until that point and sometimes there's just uncontrollable things that happen and while yeah it's totally normal to get frustrated and upset about that I think also keeping in mind that keeping things in perspective because you still have so much to be proud of just getting to that start line um, cause there was just so much that was put in and, and I hate the idea that runners are like waiting for a race result to right. be proud of themselves. Yeah. No matter the outcome of the marathon, it's going to be super hard. Right. And so you should be proud of just completing it and finishing. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of races last year, I know it seemed like the weather was really hot in the fall. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we don't have that again, but you just never know those uncontrollables, like you said. And, um, it's good to go in confident knowing you you put in the work and that you're confident in your training and your abilities and then just sort of let the let the pacing plan sort of take care of itself and just try to stick to it as best you can definitely and one last thing we forgot to add is that sometimes people like to get massages in the taper leading up to their race and maybe you're someone who gets massages regularly and you probably know exactly like when you're gonna go get it Uh, But if you're someone who maybe doesn't get massages regularly or just never gotten one before and you're planning on getting a massage and or maybe you even schedule yourself a deep tissue massage if you're feeling ambitious, which is what I kind of would recommend for athletes. I know some people really do not like them. Um, It's a different type of of massage, but it's definitely good for, for the muscles. I recommend doing that like 10 days out. 
at like yeah. at least 10 days out. The reason being is that they can kind of dehydrate you. And if you're also not used to getting a massage, um, it can actually leave your muscles pretty sore. Um, this is just things that massage therapists have told me over the years. I get pretty regular massages, and that's really the advice that they've told me to give to runners and anyone in general. So if you're someone who's used to getting them, like I could get one maybe five to seven days out, probably even four days out and still be fine. But if you don't really get them regularly or this is your first time, maybe try like two weeks out to 10 days so that your body kind of has time to recover from that soreness and all of that. Another question that I'm thinking of that we get a lot is about the lifting. So strength training, this is kind of like a gray area. A lot of people are going to have like different answers here. I'm going to err on the safe side. I'm going to say no heavy lifting two weeks out from the race. Um, That being said, could you get away with, you know, 10 to 7 days out, no heavy lifting? Probably. But I'm just saying, like, what's the, you know, just err on the safe side, right? So two weeks, no heavy lifting. The lifting that, or the strength training, I should say, that you could continue to do right until a couple days before your race or even you know the day of if you um, are someone who's like been to physical therapy or you have like glute activation exercises that you incorporate so those sort of like drill workouts things that you're only using your body weight or like really light bands to kind of activate muscles or doing like a physical therapy sort of that thing that's definitely more acceptable kind of all the way through your taper so if you're someone who's like lifting weights like heavy weights and stuff let's stop that two weeks before and then um, the physical therapy stuff just kind of continue as needed and i definitely would recommend continuing that especially if you are someone who needs help with the glute activations and all that stuff continuing that through Yeah, and I think if you're someone that's a fairly experienced lifter, you know, you can always, as you get to that kind of gray area, like you mentioned, two weeks out to maybe 10 days out, you can still be lifting, but maybe reduce the amount of of repetitions or or sets or even weight, right? So that's another way you can sort of taper off the lifting is is cut one of those or multiple of those um, factors and so that you end up lifting a lot less. Right, and I think, yeah, that's such a gray zone that, like, if you feel really comfortable like, let's say you're someone, I don't know, who goes to CrossFit, like, four or five days a week, and that's just, like, the thing you do. Um, depending, you know, if you if you can trust yourself to, like, go super light on the weights, sure, you can still go. But I think there becomes that, like, ego piece of, like, what's even the point of doing this? Because I've kind of been, been there in those situations because I lift pretty regularly, but I do it here at home. Um, you know, like, I deadlift relatively heavy I guess for you know my body weight usually is what I deadlift here but as I get close to the marathon it's like oh yeah I could still deadlift I'll just like reduce the the weight by like a half and just kind of going through the motions of it I don't know it it always feels a little iffy to me um just because I don't know I'm kind of like too competitive with it so kind of knowing yourself and knowing where you fall in that category so you definitely I, I think that if you're someone who does CrossFit, just don't step inside the gym for, 
for the 10 days leading up to the race because it really does create like tears in your muscles like micro traumas and the idea of the taper is that you really want to repair those micro traumas that have happened um so really you know 14 to 10 days for sure but yeah this has been a really great podcast i know tapering is kind of one of those love hates for for people it's like we love it when we get there but sometimes we're in the middle of it we kind of don't love it because we feel a little off um, and then also it's a change to our routine. Maybe we start getting nervous for the race, but again, it's just important to be really proud of all the work that you've put in. Um, even though you don't have your race result yet, try to really like reflect on your training cycle and reflect on everything you've done, how you've become a better person in the process. And that's really what you want to hang on to during this taper. Don't worry too much about race day. You're going to do the best that you can and the result will kind of be, it is what it is. And there's always going to be more races in the future too. And Hopefully everyone has like an awesome stellar day that's just like totally reflective of all the work they put in. But I know sometimes that, you know, just naturally that that doesn't happen for everyone. Um, but hopefully everyone listening gets that opportunity to have one of those amazing days. So if you are looking for a coach, even in this taper period, or you're thinking ahead to the future and you're like, I really want to work with a coach in the future. We would love to get to know more about you and help even with this taper period. So if you fill out the form at www.runforprs.com, we can get you set up with a free seven day trial and connect you with an expert coach today. So again, that's www.runforprs.com for a free seven day trial. Thanks for tuning in.